Hello there. Look, before we start, I want to say a big thank you to all the people who pledged their support to the 9pm Summer Series 2023 crowdfunding campaign. My God, that's a mouthful. On Sunday night, we reached the first target, which unlocks all the pledges, and that means you'll be getting at least four episodes with special guests of this podcast over the summer season. I've already booked in some of the guests, and I'll tell you about them in the halftime housekeeping break. But I also want to mention that the campaign is still open for another three days. It doesn't end until Thursday, the 30th of November at 9pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time. So in those three days, I'd love you to please Tell your friends to listen to the podcast, the 9pm Edict, uh, in their favourite podcast app. Have a look at the stuff's on offer. If you can support it, great. That would be really nice. The 9pm Edict.com slash summer 2023. That's the 9pm slash summer 2023. More in the halftime break, but because we're starting the podcast proper now, here's the computer lady. The following episode of the 9pm edict contains strong language, politics, alcohol, and adult themes. Monday, the 27th of November, 2023. The Spring Series really comes to an end today with this sort of bonus unscheduled episode. And in this episode, we talk about the nanny state about Trump's friends, and about the demise of the delightful and oh-so-sexy Mike Pizzullo. Hello, I'm Still Gerian. Oh, run out. This is the 9pm hard solo Pizzullo schadenfreude fest. Good heavens. One of Australia's most powerful public servants has been sacked over his dealings with a Liberal Party power broker. Mike Pizzullo has been sacked as Home Affairs Department Secretary after leaked conversations revealed his attempts to influence the workings of government. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese made the announcement this morning, saying an inquiry has found Mr Pizzullo breached the Public Service Code of Conduct. Oh, frabjous day, Kalu Kalei, he chortled in his joy. Yes, Mike Pizzullo is no longer the Secretary of the Department of Home Affairs, a department that he was pretty much, well, responsible for creating. It was his playground. He was the one who thought that Peter Dutton should be in charge of it. And good fucking riddance. A former Canberra person I know uh, said today, good, that prick in his sycophants made my partner's life an absolute fucking ministry when she was at Home Affairs, so much so that she deliberately took a demotion to leave. <sighs> that prick in his sycophants, that's a, that rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? That prick in his sycophants, Mike Pizzullo. Okay, okay. For those of you who, who don't watch Canberra quite as uh, closely as me, yes, Mike Pizzullo was, um, uh, until <laughs> until today, uh, the Secretary of the Department of Home Affairs, a department, a mega department formed by colliding immigration with border security, with all sorts of things. Uh, and look, Mike Pizzullo was 
I'd never met him, but looking at it from the outside and seeing him give evidence uh, before uh, Senate committees, the man was an arrogant cunt. He was dismissive of senators. He thought him having to explain himself to mere senators was beneath him. He, he, he was just really, really annoying. He thought that, that, that we're under threat uh, because there are forces that wish to destroy Western civilization. that only the strong institutions like the spooks and the cops can be trusted to keep us safe from all these dangers and just you never mind about the details. No need to ask us questions. We know what we're doing and you can all just fuck off. Well, Mr Pasulo, you can just fuck off. Okay, what... What's all this about? The ABC reported that, yes, he had been uh, stood down, mind you, on full pay, um, while they looked into some allegations. Uh, uh, and there was an inquiry, and yes, uh, Mr Pizzullo did indeed break the Public Service Code of Conduct on at least 14 occasions, the breaches including using his duty, power, status or authority to seek to gain a benefit or advantage for himself, engaged in gossip and disrespectful critique of ministers and public servants, failed to maintain confidentiality of sensitive government information, failed to act apolitically in his appointment. Got to remember, he was a public servant. He's a secretary of the department. He's not a politician. He's meant to just... Well, he's the hired fucking help is what he is. And he failed to disclose a conflict of interest. I'm now going to paraphrase uh, Bernard Keane at Crikey. Bernard Keane used to work in the public service. Uh, he's never been a fan of Mike Pizzullo, as far as I can tell. Uh, and he uh, begins by pointing out, and I'm going to paraphrase this because it's written in written English and I prefer to speak in spoken English. Uh, Mike Pizzullo once described journalists as bottom feeders, and that was after an embarrassing story was cited in Senate estimates committees, which he didn't like. And as I say, he didn't like that process either. The only journalists Pizzullo liked were those he could, quote, turn, steer, assist and work with to produce, quote, a great story for the government. They're his words, by the way. Well, now the bottom feeders, two of the very best, in fact, Nick McKenzie and Michael Bachelard, have sent Pizzullo packing. Uh, he's gone. Uh, I'll continue on. The reason they sent him packing is they got hold of through a, a legitimate legal process, which has not uh, as yet been disclosed, uh, to some of his private WhatsApp messages. <laughs> it is it is so good to see Pizzullo go down because someone got a copy of his private messages. Uh, yeah, he, he had a... Um, for example, Pizzullo got a document. He played the game. Uh, there's uh, uh, former uh, former Senator Briggs. I mean, Briggs. Anyway, um, Pizzullo sent him a document that was a confidential document, sent it to a senior Liberal Party member saying, just for you, sent to the Prime Minister and Minister for Home Affairs a few minutes ago, do not pass on. So even though Pizzullo demanded that anyone leaking government information be jailed and he was angry about Canberra games, he was a fucking player himself. And what's even nicer is that he was sacked today, 
Monday the 27th of November. On Friday, just beforehand, uh, the Remuneration Tribunal brought down a new um, determination, as they're called, which basically says, and I'll, I'll link to it, you can look at all the details, the Mandarin has reported on it. The Mandarin, by the way, is a fantastic thing to read because it's about government rather than about politics. It's always good to hear um, Julian Bykovsky's snark as well in that. He has a way with words. But anyway, th this new rule says uh, that if departmental secretaries or government ministers uh, lose uh, their job because of misconduct, corruption, they're a bully, sexual assault, etc., then they don't get their final payout. No five, uh, no $700,000, do not pass, go, go, ideally go straight to jail, although no, that won't be happening. Bernard King goes on to say uh, Pizzullo will be lionised by the right wing and national security hawks, he's bound to be, but his department was a mess and he was a hypocrite and uh, I think that's true. Here's another review of the Pez from someone uh, in Canberra. I met him once when he was head of customs, called him Mike because he hadn't been to I, I hadn't been told he insists on Mr. Pizzullo, even Mr. Pizzullo, even from his most senior staff. I later refused to participate in the creepy, or sorry, rather crappy integrative process he put into place following his brother's arrest. That's, that's another whole story. Uh, and... That was emblematic of his whole attitude. Superficially tough, but actually shoddy and incompetent. Now, I wanted to know, because I'm a bit of a process freak, that's that thing from the remuneration tribunal is is what's called – it's a determination, and that's what's called an instrument, uh, a secondary legislation it's called. So you have Acts of Parliament, which become law, and then you have – regulations and instruments and so on, which are also called delegated or secondary legislation. Now, there's still law, they still have legal force, but they they don't have to be passed by both houses of parliament as a, a bill is, but a minister can just say, I'm making this determination under the Act. Here's a new rule. Now, these rules can be disallowed uh, by either House of Parliament, and particularly the Senate overlooks this stuff. Uh, so any instrument that's made has to be tabled in, in uh, Parliament within six sitting days. Now, we'll say, Americans, you use the word table to mean something's put down on the table and ignored. In Commonwealth countries, tabling a document means you're putting it on the table so it can be discussed. Totally opposite meaning. So anyway, once this instrument happens, Parliament has uh, a time period after which they can say, oi, we, we move to disallow that and then there's a vote and whatever. Now, some instruments cannot be disallowed and what really pleases me is that remuneration tribunal instruments, if they relate to departmental secretaries or ministers, cannot be disallowed. So what's basically just happened is on Friday, the government said, sack departmental secretaries don't get any payout. And then the immediate next working day, the Monday, oh, and Mr. Pazillo, fuck right off. Fuck right off. Kalu Kalef, Rabjus Day, rah, 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 rah. Mike Pazillo is gone. <sighs> I wonder what cunt will get the job now.
A lot of other new rules in that determination, including a new corruption clause. According to Julian Bykovsky, the biggest surprise of that is that it's new. Fucking hell. Oh, I'm really quite amped up in this episode. I was going to have a kind of lazy, cruisy through bit of a chat, but that news about Mike Pazulu has really fired me up and it's fantastic. Well, as I said at the uh, front of the episode, uh, this is the last in the spring series, uh, not least because spring runs out in three days' time and then it's summer and the summer series I've already started locking in the details. First up, the next episode will be with Dr. Trent Yarwood. He's been on before. He's an infectious diseases physician. And I thought it might be fun to find out about all the new infections we can look forward to catching um, over Christmas. <laughs> Not that any of you misbehave over Christmas, I'm sure. Most of you, I think, listening to this are, are responsible adults. Some of you even have children. You've already done the, the, the naughty bit. I guess we'll talk about COVID too. That's in the news. Anyway, uh, Dr. Trent Yarwood, we're recording uh, early December. If you are a supporter with trigger words or a conversation topic for that episode, I want them uh, on Saturday, by Saturday, the 9th of December, by uh, 6 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time that night. So by the 9th of December to get your input into talking with Dr. Trent Yarwood. And speaking of him, uh, he listened back to our episode uh, in which we mentioned the uh, Board Ape Yacht Club and them using UV lights, uh, which weren't proper party UV lights, but were the really strong ones to zap the COVID off shopping mall escalators and things. Well, he messaged me to say, well, the evidence that those things work in community settings is, his words, basically fuck all. So the lights the Bored Apes purchase don't work for their intended purpose or as disco lights. So that gives, uh, as he says, it levels up their elephant stamp. Brilliant, brilliant Bored Ape Yacht Club. And after that, uh, coming up, John Birmingham will be the episode of After That. Uh, input for him by midday on Friday the 15th of December. You know John Birmingham, he writes stuff. And then after that... Uh, date not locked in yet, but we're going to look back at the year in space. Space! With Dr. Alice Gorman, a.k.a. Dr. Space Junk, and Rami Mandel, who was the founder of SpaceAustralia.com. He's also an astrophysicist himself. Uh, I'll tell you all about how to get in touch with them in due course. And, yes, yes, this uh, meant to be a public house forum coming up. Um, I reckon uh, January sometime might be right for that. Um, it's impossible to get a quiet place in a pub between now and Christmas, let me just tell you. So that will all kick off the, the summer series. And as you know, because you're a regular listener and you pay attention to every single fucking thing I say, the 9pm summer series uh, crowdfunding campaign is underway and, in fact, we reached the first target, so four episodes are guaranteed, or funded at least. I might be struck by lightning. You never know, and then you've done your money. But three days left to run. 
If you want to push on to target two, we're 79% of the way there at time of recording. Get there by this Thursday night, 30th of November, 9pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time. They'll chuck in another two episodes and then the target after that, I would love to do a couple of more episodes of the 8pm quiz video live stream. I did four episodes last summer holiday season uh, to uh, before the new year about the year that was gone and to into the new year about stuff generally. They're a lot of fun. That's going to be target three. Click through the thing and look at all the details. That's the 9pmedict.com slash summer 2023. Sorry, I lost track there for a minute. The 9pmedict.com slash summer 2023. And that, dear listener, is the end of the housekeeping. <coughs> Elephant stamp time! <coughs> Elephant stamp time! In many episodes of this podcast, I award elephant stamps of approval for excellence in the category of thinking. And we're going to take a deep breath now. Breathe in. Breathe out. There we go. Because I'm going to award three elephant stamps this time. And the first one goes to a startup, a technology startup called Nectome, N-E-C-T-O-M-E. Now, this story actually dates back to March 2018, but it still has a relevance today for reasons which I'll get to. So Nectome is pitching a mind uploading service. Yes, that's right. It's one of these companies that will upload your mind uh, so that it can be transferred into another body or a, a robot or a turtle, a Tesla, a sponge cake, something like that. Um, there is a side catch, though the uh, the process is 100% fatal. That's right, Nectome will preserve your brain, but you will have to be killed in the process. So this is their idea. You know, the old one, you, you, know, you preserve the, the brain somehow and then when medical scientists in the future can work out how to scan your brain and uh, cure the diseases you have or whatever it is, then off you go. You, or really someone a lot like you, though not exactly you, will smell the flowers again in a data server somewhere. This uh, wording is from the MIT Technology Review. Uh, they were connected with this project, they're not anymore, because this story does have a grisly twist for the procedure to work. Yes, the brain has to be fresh. The company says, or said back in 2018, its plan is to connect people with terminal illnesses to a heart-lung machine, and while they're on that, they'll pump in a lot of scientific embalming chemicals into the uh, big carotid arteries in their necks while they're still alive, though under general anaesthesia. Uh, of course, they won't be alive for very long. And I, I like the idea of there being scientific embalming chemicals as opposed to <laughs> the other kind of embalming chemicals. So that was back in 2018. Yes, they're still going. Of course, there is a waiting list of people wanting this procedure already. And indeed, when this was reported back then, 
One of the 25 people who'd plonked down $10,000 US deposit just to be on the waiting list was the head of Y Combinator, Sam Altman. And I can hear you going, Sam, Sam Altman, why does that name ring a bell? Well, until recently, he was the CEO of OpenAI, and until he wasn't, and then, uh, because he was sacked, and then he was again because the venture capital investors uh, sacked some of the board and there was a strike by – well, not a strike by staff because they're Americans, but a, but a protest by staff who wanted him back, and now he's back. So um, I'm not quite sure whether the elephant stamp goes to Nectome and its founders or whether it goes to Sam Altman. My Sam Altman. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, to the uh, – Upload your brain and then kill yourself, people. Uh, elephant stamp to you. The second one goes to Stephen Chung, who is a campaign spokesperson for Donald Trump. You may have heard of that fellow. Well, uh, recently, uh, Donald Trump has, of course, used some clearly fascist language. He's been echoing dictators like Hitler and Mussolini. So when the Washington Post uh, asked him about, about that, you know, why is Trump using fascist language, Stephen Chung's answer was, those who try to make that ridiculous assertion are clearly snowflakes grasping for anything because they are suffering from Trump derangement syndrome and their entire existence will be crushed when President Trump returns to the White House. Yes, Stephen Chung, that's how you convince people that your boss is not a fascist. You threaten those who say that with being crushed out of existence. <laughs> Elephant stamp of approval for Stephen Chung there. And finally, uh, for oh, this one goes to someone who can't be asked tracing back. It's a meme circulating. It's about Elon Musk. Someone just posted a photo of Elon Musk drinking a large glass of wine, looking over his shoulder, saying, Elon has lost his wife, his kids, $40 billion, and, the, and his spaceship crashed. It's like a genre of country music that doesn't even exist yet. Ellen Stamp, to the person who wrote that. A new alcoholic version of the soft drink Solo is facing mounting criticism, with concerns it'll appeal to children. Marketing experts and politicians say it's a fresh example of why the alcohol industry must face tougher regulation. Well, that ABC radio report was back in August. This month, yes, Hard Solo has to change its name because the people who administer the Alcohol Beverages Advertising Code, that's a thing, determined that the brand would have, and I quote, strong or evident appeal to minors. Now, that's even though that the, the people, they had already approved the name under that code in the first place, and you've got to remember, this is an alcoholic beverage. It says alcoholic in big fucking capital letters on the front, and you can only buy it at a place that sells alcohol if you're over 18. So, you know, 
So what is is my view? Now, the other stupid thing about it is the drink itself won't change, just the name and the packaging with the word solo removed. So that's the thing that made it attractive to kids, right? The fact that it was called solo. I should explain for non-Australian listeners that solo is a brand of lemon squash here. Lemon soda, you'd call it. It's not lemonade. It's a lemon soda. There is a difference. And solo's been around for years. Well, if the plan was to um, reduce its appeal to kids, by which they mean young people presumably, because as I say, you can't buy it unless you're 18 years or older, I think it's had the opposite effect, or maybe this is the effect that was uh, intended all along, because boys at schoolies week, guzzling, vetoed, hard solo as Gold Coast bottle shops ravaged. Ravaged! Ravaged! This is a story from news.com.au in the last few days. So, again, for non-Australians, schoolies is this thing that happens at the end of November each year. Once all of the Year 12 kids, the kids for whom this is likely to be their final days uh, at school, even though they've got exams coming up to, like, prove that point, um, it's, it's when kids who have recently turned 18, so so they're not kids. I keep going back to that. Young people who have recently turned 18 go on their first holiday away from their parents but with their peers. Australia's Gold Coast uh, is uh, traditionally a place they go. As I say of the Gold Coast, it's a bit like Las Vegas but without the class. Um, and, And they get rat-ass drunk for the first time in their lives. Ha, 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 ha. Well, it's it's notorious. They don't all go to the Gold Coast. It's usually a beach holiday because spring is ending, uh, but the Gold Coast gets around 20,000 18-year-olds. Well, 18-year-olds plus others hanging around in the hope of picking up an 18-year-old who is drunk. And, yes, sexual assault is a is a big problem there as well. Well, according to news.com.au, Gold Coast bottle shops were swarmed by schoolies struggling to keep up with the demand for one of the year's most controversial beverages as boys trade beer for the girly alco pop that they claim will fuck you up. Now, just to say, alco pops being a, a thing... You know, that's girly, I don't know, real men drink beer. This is a whole thing they need to sort out. But they quote school leaver Jack, who said, why drink beer when you can drink lemonade? He was walking through the streets of Surfer's Paradise, which is one of the suburbs of the Gold Coast, uh, clutching a a yellow and black cardboard carton of hard solo. Let's get that colour in there, thank you, news.com.au, just so people don't know what to look for. Um it's the hot ticket item, uh, as uh, Luke, who's 18, said, if you're sick of the taste of beer, get on the hard solos because it's like soft drink, but it's so packed with alcohol, it will fuck you up. It really isn't. It's 4% alcohol uh, by volume, which is, uh, I mean, slightly more than a beer, but slightly less than most hard sodas and things, you know. David Olson on Blue Sky said, look, it's good. It's only 4% ABV, so I find it near impossible to get drunk off it before my teeth fall out from the sugar. Uh, I mean, which is a fair point. Um, I should mention too, uh, David Olson said that on Blue Sky. Blue Sky at the moment 
it's the social media network that kind of is meant to be Twitter, but better. It's only got about two and a bit million users, and it's invitation only. Uh, but I, I'm doing most of my stream of conscious stuff, uh, consciousness stuff there. And around the end of this month, which is just days away, even if you don't have an account there, it will be possible to link to it. They're putting a public website on it so you can look at stuff without having to be logged in. Uh, so for all of those uh, gentlemen who prefer gentlemen who kept posting their dick pics at the end of the day or the beginning of the day on Blue Sky, time to get rid of them before all of your employers and others join it. What, what were you thinking? Anyway, Dave Olson also said, um, yeah, he'd drink it. Um, I mean, not much, but he had it on tap. He tried it. Uh, it's all right. It's solo, but with alcohol in it. And uh, I tried it on the weekend too, and it's it's solo, but with alcohol in it. It's an alcoholic lemon squash. Yeah, whatever. Um, but that's... The thing that's happening. Back to news.com.au. Um, they say that less than 24 hours into that first week of schoolies, the local bottle shop workers said they were struggling to meet demand and would have to place emergency stock orders. Uh, one of the BWS liquor stores on Cavill Avenue uh, said the shop was selling 244 packs every 20 minutes. You can do the numbers 240 by 3 is... 8,207, so that's how many an hour, but they're four packs, so that's 46,253,712 cans of hard solo uh, a minute. Now, some other comments are, are about it. Um, another friend uh, said that finally schoolboys realised that 4X beer tastes like it came out of an incontinent horse. That's good. Another one complained, kids today, not having the experience of downing 15 to 20 lemon ruskies, shameful. And that's the thing. This is the only one that has got all this media attention. Like I was shopping, you know, when I was shopping for the hard solo the other day, there was, you know, there was there was actually a bubblegum flavour um, hard seltzer. So, yeah dealing with kids. Uh, the Guardian, when they covered this, uh, said that the the code people had received a number of complaints about the drink. One person said her son had managed – no, her son had asked to buy hard solo without knowing it was alcoholic. <laughs> sure, Mum. While another said, I had a sample in my fridge and my seven-year-old son thought it was normal solo but in a black can. Well – yeah, so did you then explain to your seven-year-old son that he couldn't have it? I mean, why are you leaving your fucking booze supplies in the fridge where children can just wander up and drink it? That's your fault. That's your fault for lousy parenting. Another complaint wondered what would come next. Hard Mount Franklin. Mount Franklin is spring water. Hard Mount Franklin. Yeah, it's called vodka, you stupid cunts. This should be stopped, they said. Well, it is. Uh, and another simply observed that the name sounds a bit like Han Solo, which is a Star Wars character. Although, it, uh, to their credit, the people who administer the, the advertising code, it, it doesn't. It's not. It, how would you confuse that? Now, if this is to appeal to children, you've got to remember that Hard Solo was announced or advertised to hard men. It was 
It was meant to be a tough man's drink. It was meant to make, you know, a, a soft drink acceptable here to, uh, to blokes, to real blokes, to real blokes. Here, for example, is a television commercial from 1984. When you're training hard for the triathlon, you work up a real solo thirst. Extra tangy lemon solo crushes a man-sized thirst. And in this tough competition, the only place for a solo man to be is first. And when you've got a thirst for it, you've got to crack a solo! Solo lemon, it's light on fizz for when you're long on thirst. So crack a solo and be a solo man. Crack a solo and be a solo man. God, 1984 was a completely different time, wasn't it? Well, here we are. The drink will now be called hard rated, at least after the 9th of February. I got talking to the lad in the bottle shop where I, I bought my hard solo on, on Saturday and he told me, and I have confirmed this to be true, that they can still keep selling it over summer because, of course, the, they've made it all. And they're still making it, right? They've got this thing. They've advertised it. They're selling it. It's in the shops. Uh, it's it's in kegs in pubs. Uh, you'll see in the photo on the podcast webpage, and uh, um, you may have seen it in in the pub you go to. That it's there on tap in the pub next to the hard ginger beers and the the the, <laughs> the espresso martinis on tap. I believe I've ranted about that on another occasion. Um. So February 9th, by then, they need to have not withdrawn the product from sale but sold it all, changed the taps, changed the signage, changed the labelling, and then after that, summer will be over and no-one will want fucking alcoholic lemon squash anyway, so no-one will care. Mission accomplished. 27,486,253,794 cans of hard solo sold to children over summer. That's what happened, people, and that's why this is now happening. Like it or not, it's part of the Australian culture. Yeah! From Prime Ministers... There's an ex-Prime Minister Rouse and a real favourite loves his cricket, Bob Hawke to the rest of us. But now national health groups say enough, calling for health warning labels similar to cigarette packets to be slapped on alcohol bottles and cans, spelling out the health risks of drinking. Alcohol companies really should have the responsibility to share information about the harms that products cause instead of just putting out millions of dollars of marketing telling people that they should drink on every occasion. A warning for expectant mothers is already mandatory. These labels would go further. Including around liver disease, cancer and the many other harms that are caused by alcohol. Ireland is bringing in similar alcohol warning labels by 2026. People can't make wise choices about their relationship with alcohol if they don't have the information they need. Tell us about the labelling that's already on, on wines. Yes, we, we've got our standard drinks here on, on the back label. You can see the pregnancy warning, um, the drink responsibility uh, logo there. Industry is pushing back on more warning labels, saying there's already plenty of regulation. Winemakers are very frustrated with the nanny state that we've become because there's so much compliance, there's so much cost. Lizzie Pearl, Nine News. Nanny state. All right. 
My immediate reaction to that news report, which is only from the the other day, um, you know, around the time that this thing happened, if your public health messaging around alcohol has failed to to like communicate don't drink too much if your parental parentaling if your parents haven't done it if school hasn't done it if public health campaigns haven't done it if your own fucking common sense hasn't done it i don't think a logo or a picture of a you know, a drunk lying on the street shoved in the bottom of the alcohol label is going to make a lot of difference. Have a look at the thing that the tobacco industry did in Australia and some other countries where tobacco is not advertised, it's sold in, well, either plain packages or in Australia where most of the the, the cigarette packet is taken up with a picture of a, a cancerous growth or someone's teeth falling out, or a picture of Mike Pizzullo. Um, and that doesn't put people off. In fact, you see blokes going in to buy their packet of cigarettes and asking, no, nah, no, nah, not that one. I, I, want, I want the one with the mouth cancer on it. People know. They already know. The kids are already out there buying the one precisely because it fucks you up. The packaging is not going to change that, you stupid fucking people. Anyway, I've had an idea. Um, it's it's hard solo max, or maybe it's hard rated max now. So it's essentially hard solo, but with added caffeine and taurine to fuck you up and keep you going so you're fucked up all night. That's my contribution. Send me the first case. Although, as a final note, people did tell me, actually, that you should buy yourself a case of hard solo and not open it, put it away somewhere. In 30, 40 years' time, collectors will want it. And I was told that by a bottle shop guy, others. Have a look at what limited-run beers and alcohol go for on the collector's market. You will turn a profit. Well, that is definitely not investment advice. Do your own risk assessment. That's all the edict for now, a very shouty edition. Please support the 9pm Summer Series 2023 in the next few days. Let's get some more episodes in there. The next episode will be soon with Dr. Trent Yarwood. Until then, I'm still Garyan. Wash your hands. Boom. Oh, fuck, I'm exhausted. The 9pm Edict is a Skank Media production. Sorry.